Welcome to the Woodshop Life Podcast, a bi-weekly podcast focused on the craft of woodworking. I'm Hui Huin of the Alabama Woodworker, and I'm joined by my friends, Brian Schmidt. Say hi, Brian. Hey, everyone. Hello. And Guy Dunlop of Guy's Woodshop. Or Hello. Guy's Shop. Excuse Hello. me. <laughs> How are you? Good. This podcast is intended to answer your questions, the woodworking community, and give you some of our perspectives on how we get things done in our own shops. We also have a Patreon campaign, and we're simply asking for a small donation to cover the cost of bringing you this podcast. So please go to patreon.com forward slash woodshoplife if you'd like to show your support. And please stick around towards the end of the show where we briefly talk about what each of us are doing in our own shops. So let's get right into it. Guy, what's your first pr- question? Oh, I've got the first question. Okay. <clears throat> this comes from Mark Bett. And Mark says, hi, gents, love the show. I've invested in a three-stage sprayer and I've been trying it out, trying to get the hang of it. Any general advice to a new sprayer user? Also, while a perfect coat is the goal, would it be better to put down too much or too little of the sprayables? It seems too little is much easier to fix. Usually just add another coat after it's dried. Thanks for the great show, Mark. Well, the first question is, any general advice to a new sprayer user? Yes, you have to play with it. You Mm -hmm. have to learn the gun. Mm -hmm. Every gun is a little bit different as far as nozzle size and how much pressure. Some are adjustable both on the pressure side and the gun side. Mm -hmm. You have to play with it. What I usually do if I'm trying to spray a new finish is I'd actually take a piece of cardboard Mm -hmm. and I I set it on the floor against a sawhorse and I start playing around until I get a fan pattern. That's about six inches. If I'm about six inches away from it. And if I can move it from left to right in a not super fast fashion, but you know, moving it along and I don't get any drips, but I get full coverage. I know Mm -hmm. I've got it tuned in right. You also put down here, a perfect coat is the goal. Would be better to put down too much or too little. It seems too little is much easier to fix. Actually, both are bad. Mm -hmm. The answer is you want to put down the correct amount. Hmm. (laughs) I know that's easier said than done. There's a tool that actually measures how many mil of finish you're putting on. Yeah. And I can't remember the name of the tool itself, but it's like a it's like a little comb with really big teeth. Mm. And you put it in the wet finish and you can tell some parts, you know, it's kind of like a staircase. Mm-hmm. And the the obviously the lower the 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 stair the stair is on it, it'll catch finish or won't catch finish. And right. it'll tell you how much, what your mill is on it. Typically, I'm saying this, typically most finishes are between three to five mil on your coating. Mm. So you have to look at the can. It'll tell you right on it typically. So I know you spray quite a bit, Hui. Do you have any tips? Uh, one thing that I do is I slowly, so I have a five stage, but it has the pressure adjustable pressure on it 
My guess is that his three stage probably doesn't. I just slowly will add material to first. I, I go about halfway and then I'll adjust from there with my uh, Can you material. adjust it on the gun also? I'm sorry? Can't adjust it on the gun just at the sprayer? No, I can adjust the pressure on the uh, turbine, but then I can also adjust how much material is coming yeah. out. And so my guess is that his three stage probably doesn't have the adjustability on the on the turbine that all of probably all of his adjustability is on the gun. And I kind of just start somewhere in the middle of those dials and then I'll just dial it back if I want less material or dial it more. And and it's really simply what you said. You just got to learn your gun. Not all guns are the same in terms of how much. Uh, what kind of threads they're using and which is ultimately adjusting how much material is coming out or how wide or, or narrow the opening is on the gun. So you just have to play with it. And uh, I do the same thing, the piece of cardboard. Uh, if it's a, co a colored finish, uh, it's a little bit easier to see, but the but the clears, you can see where it's wet and what those drip driplets look, you, uh, droplets look like. You want a fine mist. You don't want any you know noticeable droplets that are coming out. And you want good coverage. And so, you know, that's kind of the eye test because I know for sure, I know the tool that you're talking about, Guy, I've never used it, uh, but I do know what you mean. Uh, you just have to get a feel for it. Like, uh, you know, it's somewhere between three and five mils. I know when I'm getting good coverage. I know when I'm not. And I know definitely when I'm getting runs and, you know, I those, put too much those on. Are, those are driplets. I think that's a word. Driplets. Droplets. Driplets. Sure. Yeah. Why not? But- yeah, I mean, you just got to play with it, and you'll get good at it. And you know, I'm pretty sure you're you, you don't want to use one of those mil spec tools either. Um, I don't, but you kind of get a feel for what is the appropriate amount of material because you don't want to have too little because you do get a lot of splattering if you are going too fast, right? You're, not, you're just not getting proper coverage. There's um, there's all kinds of stuff that 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 comes into play, and it's. It's really one of those things that you have to learn how to use it. And I, I wish I could direct you to like a video on YouTube, but there's very little out there. Yeah. Um, and magazine articles don't really fit the bill. You just got to play with it. Do you, do you have a gun, Brian? I do not. I do not spray. I have a question for you guys. So how mm. do you, how long does it take after, after you've, you know, put down that first coat to, to be able to tell if it's too much or too little. I mean, do you get pretty pretty much instant feedback or does it take time for the finish to dry before you can assess whether or not you've got the right amount? I think it's on vertical, go ahead, go ahead, Guy. I was gonna say, it really depends on the finisher you're putting down. Mm -hmm. um, if, you're, if you're using something like shellac, I spray a lot of shellac and also water-based uh, finishes. It's fast. It's yeah. really fast. I mean, yeah. it's dry to the touch in ten minutes. Yeah, yeah. And would you, you can tell? Would you, you can tell right away if you've put down too much or too little. Right. Yeah. Right. Would Would you recommend starting with a with a water based finish for somebody that is new with this sprayer, trying it out to get the hang of it? Is there one sure. finish that's easier to start with than another? No. <laughs> I don't, started. Don't start. Don't start spraying latex paint. I'll yeah, yeah. Much. I started using general finishes and that sprayed really well for me and it seemed what, kind armor of armor seal? Uh no, uh, uh 
water-based uh, top coat. They're high performance. Okay. okay. So I started spraying with that and I didn't seem to have any like weird issues. It was easy. I, I've heard the same with people that use the Minwax polycrylic that it sprays really, really well. I don't know. Do you use that guy? Uh, yeah, I use both of those. Okay. Um, I mostly use the polycrylic because it's what I can get at the, the home store. Yeah. But I was using that um, oil infused stuff that they had. I can't remember the name of it. Endurovar? That might be it. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Spraying a, a, a water-based finish like a water-based polyurethane, it's water white, and it doesn't darken the wood or give it an amber tone. It doesn't warm it up. It looks just like before you started spraying it, except now it's got finish on it. Well, Mark, I hope that in some way gave you some insight or helped answer your question. Uh, Brian, you've got the next question. All right. This question is from Dave Huffman and Dave writes, guys, I love the podcast and listen often, but haven't caught completely up yet. What is a good method of making mortise and tenon joinery with a router only? I've got a Bosch half inch router and intend to buy a router table too. I've seen various jigs on the market, but was wondering what the best option is for the money, having only a router and a small DeWalt eight and a half inch table saw. I intend to build smaller household furniture, such as side tables, nightstands, and a dresser. Thanks for the advice. Love the show. Dave Huffman. So I think um, when when Dave refers to his eight and a quarter inch lunchbox table saw, I think that's maybe the eight and a quarter inch DeWalt table saw. So mm-hmm. mortise and t- tenon joinery with a router, but no router table and a small table saw. Mm-hmm. Dave, what I would do is using that router, you can get an edge guide. If it didn't come with it already, you can get one for under $50 and use that edge guide with an upcut spiral bit to mm-hmm. create a mortise in one of your pieces. And then you can take the mating piece to the table saw and set your blade at the appropriate height. And uh, with your miter gauge, just start nibbling away at it until you've got a tenon and and then you can work on fitting your tenon to the mortise and that's probably the easiest way i can think of that's a perfect answer <laughs> yep yeah with what you move the with, with, with what he has yep absolutely yep uh, i would maybe just add another option it would be just to do loose tenon joinery uh, if if most of the pieces that he's going to uh, produce are relatively small pieces you know, you'll have to, uh, on some pieces, especially the uh, cross member or the butt joint, uh, the piece that is butting up against the other piece, it will be a narrow piece. So there are different techniques and whatnot that you can do to make a more stable platform for that workpiece. Several jigs and whatnot. I, they're spe- several very expensive and some inexpensive vertical uh, clamping jigs for making uh, mortises in narrow pieces. Uh, so, you know, maybe an option for some of your other pieces that aren't like really, really small would be to do loose tenon joinery and just make your tenons on the table saw that way, your loose tenons. So Guy, anything, any other advice you could give for Dave, given what he has? Yes. Perfect. (laughs) You want me to hear, you want me to say what it is? I sure hope you're going to say. Okay. Well, (laughs) All you need is your Bosch half-inch router. Mm-hmm. If you've got a work surface of any kind, you've mm-hmm. already got a router table. Just Ooh. cut a hole in the damn thing. Mm-hmm. Put the router bit up through it. 
mm-hmm. and get a board to act as a fence. Mm-hmm. Then watch a video on my YouTube channel where I go through how to make a mortise and tenon using nothing but the router table. So you don't even have to hold it in your hand. Mm. So nice. you can drop the the piece of wood down onto the bit while it's spinning with the fence and push it through and create your mortise there. And I also show how to create tenons using uh, a straight cutting half inch bit. Mm-hmm. Okay. That works really, really well. I was, mm-hmm. I was just getting ready to ask what type of router bit would you use for cutting the tenon? Half inch. Half inch, you said straight cutting? Yeah. Okay, yeah. so not not a, a spiral, spiral bit. bit. I'm not a big fan of spiral bits. Mm. I think they should really only be used in the case like what you're talking about, where you're going to take a handheld router and you need the chips cleared out. Yeah. Uh, I much prefer a straight cutting bit, just a regular old straight cutting router bit. But then again, I'm very old and I'm very stuck in my ways. So it... it Interesting you say that when I got the inlay done, the pockets for the conference table that I built, I had another company cut out the logo for me because they had a bigger CNC Mm -hmm. and he, they used, they were, they said the exact same thing. Oh yeah. We, we prefer those straight cutting bits because they, they just are cleaner. It leaves a nicer finish. Yeah. And I was like, oh. You know, I always had this mindset that a spiral bit or a compression bit of sorts is going to give you the better finish, but no. I was quite surprised. No. The, the benefit with some of those CNC bits is they have the first, you know, eighth inch or quarter inch of it is actually a compression style where it goes yeah. up and down. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, but then it goes mostly up cut after that because it's, it's ejecting uh, stuff out of there. Right. But anyways, I think that's a good way also. And, and Hui is right. Doing loose tenons is a, a good way to do it. But, but it's very easy to cut mortises with the, with the router. Mm-hmm. It's just getting the, the tenons. Is always, the, the biggest piece of advice I can give you is cut your mortises first. Always, always, mm-hmm. always, yeah. always. Yep. And then... Get the tenons to fit the mortises, not the mm-hmm. other way around. So, great advice. Yep. Yeah. Hey, we can I ask? Can I ask one more quick question about your loose tenon method? Sure. Yeah. When you're when you're creating the loose tenons, mm-hmm. are you simply are you simply ripping pieces on the table saw to get them down to the right uh, width and thickness? Mm-hmm. And then rounding over. Yeah. Yeah. Which okay. which in all which you would need a router table for, wouldn't you? If you wanted to put, because uh, I I mean I guess you could do it by hand, but man, that'd be really small to round over the edges. Oh, that's pretty easy actually. You just yeah. you can smack it down mount. with the chisel. It doesn't need to be perfectly round because all your True. glue surface is on the flat faces. Anyways. On the flats, yeah. True. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Good point. Well, Mark, there's. Or Dave, there's a couple of uh, couple of options for you there for building all that. And wish you luck with building each of those items. For sure. All right. So I've got the third question since I'm the host. Uh, the next topic, and this is from Corey, and he's asked a question before, but this is actually the second question. So 
thank you, Corey, for supporting the show and bringing your questions. The next topic has to do with planer blades. I have a DeWalt 733 planer and the blades are starting to go dull. I saw online where I could build a jig out of a two by four by cutting two slots at 42 degree and placing my blades inside the slots. Uh, you would then run the blades over a sharpening stone to give it a new edge. Is this a good method for sharpening my blade or should I be looking for another method? Keep making this podcast and I'm sure that all of us out here listening will continue to tune in and keep asking questions. Happy holidays to all of you. Thank you so much, Corey. That's really, really nice greeting. Happy holidays to you as well. So you can do that, Corey. There's nothing wrong. And I, and you know, you're pretty, it sounds like maybe you're a little bit new to the woodworking and for me, I would try it. Give it a try. I had tried it before and I had this, I bought a jig. At the time, it was not as ex as expensive as it is now. It was a Doolin 12-inch wood planer joiner knife sharpener jig. Um, and I did do that because I had traditional straight blades on my joiner and my planer. And it worked okay, but ultimately it was never as good or as sharp as a brand new blade for, for the machine. Uh, but it did okay, and it did work. It got a little bit annoying afterwards, and so that's why I went to a uh, a different planer with a Shelix head or uh, what is it, a helical head so that when I have to sharpen or replace, I just rotate the blades and inserts are relatively inexpensive. I looked at the price of the DeWalt 733 planer blades, the new ones uh, straight from DeWalt are $52 on, on Amazon. So I know what it's like to, you know, try to not have to spend money on, you know, replacement, things like that. But, you know, in order to really see if it works is to try it because it, it does take a little bit of practice to, to do it, but having the jig definitely helps. If you have problems or issues with actually building the jig, which I kind of did trying to get the angle perfect, and I ended up kind of mucking the blades up anyway. So that's why I did, I used the, the Doolin jig that you can buy. Uh, I don't use it anymore, obviously, for the reason that I have a helical head, but you should give it send a try. It I don't have it anymore. Oh, okay. <laughs> I gave it to somebody. Um, you didn't give it to Corey? No, because I wasn't doing the podcast then. Oh, <laughs> I should have. Uh, but yeah, that's 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 all I can say is try it. See if it works. I mean, the worst that happens is you got to buy a new set of blades, which I mean, you're kind of back to where you were anyway, because you had dull blades. But Brian, do you do, do you just replace blades? <laughs> <laughs> I don't even replace my blades. <laughs> oh, what? Oh, <laughs> uh, um... Yes. Do, do as I say, not as I do. Um, <laughs> way overdue for replacing. Um, I would, I would not, um, I would not try to sharpen them myself. I, you know, it's one of those where if it gets a little bit off, it, yeah. it seems like, you know, you've kind of defeated the whole purpose of using your thickness planer to begin with. If all of a sudden it's, it's not cutting, um, or, you know, thicknessing the wood evenly or cleanly. So yeah. I'm more I'm more inclined to just buy replacement blades. Do either of you know? I just like you can get a uh, table saw blade resharpened or even router but bits sharpened. Can you mm -hmm. do that with planer knives with these straight knives? Or sure, yes, I believe you can. Sure, mm -hmm. sending mm -hmm. them off to or and, and what I mean is sending them off to be sharpened. I know we have a company here in town that that 
does our table saw blades and you can send them off to, to that company too if you live somewhere else yeah yeah they have a website accurate cutting technologies how do you uh, do either of you know how much a set of planer blades might cost do you think they're like 40 50 bucks oh to so purchase or to, to purchase or to resharpen are you talking resharpening or buying we resharpening oh i have no idea probably 20 bucks yeah, I mean, I think we spend twenty bucks, twenty bucks a table saw blade at, at yeah. work to get those resharpened. So okay, okay. Um, Corey, I, I I ran into this problem. I used to live in a town outside of Indianapolis called Connorsville, which is about forty miles from the city and basically out in the middle of a cow pasture. Mm. And a couple times I I ran into that problem. And this was in the late nineties. So there really wasn't the online experience there is now. So every time I needed new planer blades, I had to drive somewhere or call somebody on the phone and wait a couple of weeks and they would get to me. So I ended up buying, I tried doing what you're talking about and it just didn't work. It, mm. it, was, a, it was a waste of time, waste of time and effort. So I ended up actually buying a big whetstone sharpening wheel that was made just for sharpening planer blades. Mm -hmm. uh, it was made by Makita. I actually still have it. Come on over and pick it up. I'll give it to you. <laughs> and it, but it was expensive. It was about like three hundred dollars. I think they still make that same sharpening wheel today. It's a, it's a big, wet sharpening wheel, and it's actually horizontal. And it yeah. comes with a big knife sharpening jig for planer blades. It's, it's, it's a beast. Worksharp um, sells one. Do they? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they have a little jig there for planers. Yeah. The, 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 yeah I, I, I'm not a big fan of the Worksharp. Anyways, well, so yeah. um, the problem is, is the, those blades are so long, you really have to be really careful because you got to get almost the whole blade at once. Mm -hmm. And it's very tough to do that with these little tiny jigs. Mm -hmm. um, so take that with a, with a grain of salt. My recommendation is to bite the bullet and just buy new blades. Yeah. I remember what I did with my eight inch, the, the, the jig now. I gave it to the person that bought the joiner. That's what I did. And I gave them the uh, knife setting jig that I made to set the knives so that they're always at the same height. Yeah. Uh, I hope that helps. Next question goes to Guy. Me? Again? Yeah. That was Second round, man. <laughs> All right. This question comes from Mike Sibley. That's kind of a long question, but it's necessary. It says, hey, fellas. I greatly appreciate your show as it is the only one that I haven't gotten tired of over the years. Well, thank you. Thank you, bud. <laughs> I'm making a chimney cupboard for the most difficult of clients, my wife. She really dislikes frame and panel doors and wanted solid doors. Mm. So there will be two 40-inch high by 20-inch wide full overlay drawers. And I'm using beautiful air-dried sinker cypress for the entire piece. Wow, I'd really like to know where the hell the heck you got that stuff. You guys familiar with that? Mm -mm. Sinker cypress. Sinker my cypress. guess is that it's uh, cypress that's been preserved in water. Yep. 
Okay. Yep. They they cut it down and they send it down river to to the lumber mill, mm-hmm. and some of it sinks to the bottom and stays there forever. And people have to go down and lift it out. Wow. Anyways. I've convinced her that big slabs of solid wood doors will potentially bow or twist over time. So Mm -hmm. I've developed an idea of making each door like this. I've sourced a 26 inch wide, eight foot board. After milling and cutting it to 44 inch pieces, I cut the middle out to be the panel and I will use the adjoining pieces for the rails and styles. The panel will be tongue grooved to sit flush with the front with the styles with an eighth inch gap. Therefore, it will be a frame and panel door, but out of one piece that looks solid. My question is relating to the inside panel and its thickness. It seems if I leave it thicker, currently five eighths, it will be more prone to twisting the frame, where if I bring it down thinner like three eighths, it may be more prone to splitting. Please let me know your thoughts. So hmm. basically, what he's doing is he's, he's going to he's going to grain match his rails and styles. Yeah, you can't do that really with the, with the rails. I don't know how that's possible, but you can do it with the panel and the styles. Right. And I've done stuff like this before. Actually, I, I've done done that quite a bit. Where I on the back of a door panel, I've made it flush so it's flat. Mm-hmm. And I cut a rabbit in the back of it. And anyways, um, but his main question about the thickness of the panels, right? Yeah, that's what I was getting to. So <laughs> his main question is: is if 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 he leaves it thicker, mm-hmm. is it more prone to twisting, or if I leave it thinner, will it be more prone to splitting? Anytime you take that material and you release moisture in it, it's going to do something. Mm-hmm. And it's not necessarily going to twist and it's not necessarily going to split. And that has nothing to do really with how much thickness there is. It's how much water or how much moisture is wicking out of the surface or out of the wood itself. How much moisture is being released. If mm-hmm. the wa- if the wood has been dried, and let's say it's at, you know, six, seven percent. It shouldn't matter if you take it down to three ace or five ace. The wood's going to do what it's going to do. That's yeah. my opinion anyways. It might split. It might twist. It might not do either. But if you're going to put that door together like you're talking, I think you're going to be okay, to be honest with you. I don't think it's going to twist. Mm-hmm. That's going to take a lot of force to twist that that, that frame on there. Mm-hmm. And if it's all the same thickness, it, it's not really going to matter. But I would leave it as, you know, the five A's myself. But what so do you what, think, Brian? Yeah, I, I would tend to agree with you. I, I don't think, I think even at five eighths, you're not going to, you're not going to have, you're not going to have enough force in any sort of wood movement that, that he would experience. I don't think there's going to be enough force there to, to cause that door to, mm-hmm. to warp or come out of flush with the front. I've never um, used Cypress, so I'm not familiar with its properties, but I'm sure it's just like any other piece of wood in most cases. Mm-hmm. I don't, I'm still trying. I, I don't know why I can't wrap my head around what you would do with the rails. The styles I see you can match with, the panel. Mm-hmm. What? That's why I said you're not going to be able to. 
Yeah. You're not going to be able to grain match the rails because the grain's gone the other way. Yeah. I mean, unless he's going to make the rails going the same direction, I don't know. I would That not would do be that. a bad idea. That would be a very bad idea. Yeah, do not do not do that because then no, you will no, get don't do that. <laughs> bad stuff happen. It'll squeeze that panel. Anyway, yeah, keep it thicker. I don't see why you wouldn't unless you I want to. I mean, do you see any problem? I mean, do you... Have you ever no. heard that leaving it one thickness versus another thickness is going to cause it to do one thing or the other? On a frame and panel door, no. No, and just the wood. Just the wood where he's asking the question, if it's thicker, it, it will it be more prone to twisting? Or if I bring it down to, th- to thinner material, will it be more prone to splitting? I don't think it's prone to one thing more that, so than the other, depending on thickness. No, I've never heard that. Mm-mm. No. Sorry, I just got wrapped up around the axle about the frame. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> as, as far as your, your main question goes, Mike, I I have not heard that before, and I don't know where that might have come from. Yeah, yeah. Probably that, that guy on YouTube named Guy that's always misinforming people. <laughs> More All right. Likely. More than likely. I think it's going to end up being a beautiful project the way he's describing it. I mean, two 40 inch high, 20 inch wide I'll full look, overlay doors yeah. out of that air dried sinker cypress. I hadn't heard of, I hadn't heard of sinker cypress before. So I did a quick search on the Google and yeah, looks like pretty beautiful stuff. Way back in the day, Norm Abrams made a project out of it and he actually did a video where he goes out on a boat with the guys and that's right i remember that episode gosh that is beautiful stuff wow anyway okay yeah hope that helps brian you got the next question yes this question comes from lauren zantini i think i pronounced that correct lauren i apologize if not lauren writes and says i would love to get a subscription to a woodworking magazine for my fiance for christmas he's a big fan of your podcast oh I hope he doesn't listen until after Christmas. You have mentioned one before, but now I can't find it. What are your suggestions? Hmm. Lauren, I recommend fine woodworking and I recommend the print. The print is great, but they also have a digital full access subscription. I think it's $99 a year. And for mm-hmm. a year, you'll get the, the print version of the magazine as well as uh, digital access to all 300 plus uh, publications that they've done. You get videos, videos you've got um, just a whole host of digital only content. And I got, my wife got it for me for my birthday this past year. And I've had it for six or seven months now. And mm-hmm. I mean, I've barely even scratched the surface of, of what's out there. I'll be, I'll be renewing, you know, when it comes back around in in a few months time, but um, it's nice to be able to to search and find topical results that you can mm-hmm. then drill down into and you'll either have video or you can get straight to just the article um, for that and not having to to comb through printed versions to try to to try to find that. Um, that's the only magazine I'm currently subscribed to. We what about you or do you have any subscriptions to woodworking magazines or do you have a recommendation there? So the only subscription I have is uh, Fine Woodworking Magazine, and 
another option. I know I know what guy's going to say. I'm going to leave meat on the bone for him on there. But another option that you can do. How do you know what I'm going to say? I know what you're going to say. You I know don't. what you're going to say. You well, what, whatever. whatever. I know you better than, than you might think. Anyway, is at the end of the year, Fine Woodworking Magazine will have a special where you can get all of their articles on a USB stick. And I think uh, at one point it might have been, I don't know, like $40 or something. I don't know how much it is this year because I, I do the online subscription as well. But that might be an option as well, is to have all the archived articles on a little USB stick. Um, I know uh, sometimes they give that away too during the during the season. So, Guy, what are you going to say that I know you're going to say? <laughs> well, what I was going to say is if you're going to, I'm a big fan of the fine woodworking thing also. Mm -hmm. And I'm a member of their online only. I do not get a printed magazine. And unless, yep. unless your husband, Lauren, has a, a real um, need to physically have the magazine in his hands, mm -hmm. don't bother with it. Just get the online because you can, if you, if, if you have a tablet or a smartphone, yep, you get the Fine Woodworking app. You can actually download the full magazines mm -hmm. as they come out. There's no need for the the paper copy, and I think it's less money. Yeah, it is. So, do yourself. See, did you know I was going to say that? We, I thought I thought for sure you were going to say Wood Magazine. Well, I'm going to suggest Wood Magazine also. <laughs> the um it's a great magazine because it is a good it is a good magazine the difference between wood magazine and fine woodworking magazine is vast um it really depends on the level of the the person that you're buying it for mm -hmm. um fine woodworking for lack of a better term, and I hope nobody from there is listening to this because I am a big fan and I've been a subscriber to Fine Woodworking in one form or another for well over 25 years, hmm. uh, probably close to 30 years now. Uh, it can tend to be a little snobby and standoffish. Mm -hmm. Yep. yep. Um, is the best way to put it. Like Pop Woodworking. I've never even opened up a copy of it because I just find everybody associated with that magazine is just a blowhard, <laughs> to be honest with you. So um, they're like me. They're big blowhards. So um, Wood Magazine is the every woodworker's magazine. Yeah. It has a lot of stuff for the newer woodworkers. It has... And that's how it's really balanced out. It has stuff, you know, for for new woodworkers, intermediate woodworkers, and advanced woodworkers, all in the yep. same issue. Mm -hmm. There's always something for everybody in a copy of Wood Magazine. Yep. So that's another one to consider. And they do the same thing we was talking about with the the USB stick, where yep. you can buy their their whole catalog. I think it's their entire catalog. Which Not is a lot. Year, which is a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So. There you go. There are a lot of options there. I hope that helps. And I think I have the last question. This is from 
also from Dave Huffman. So Dave, thank you so much for your questions. Uh, sorry this if this is a repeat, only mostly caught up. Uh, the wife wants a painted double dresser. I, di I dislike painted furniture and prefer to work with maple or walnut, but we compromise. So the wife's getting a painted double dresser. I intended to use plywood since it's a paint grade project, but don't have much experience with it. What's a good construction method for plywood? I've got a small table saw, half inch router, Craig jig, and hand tools. Can I get away with the Craig jig and butt joints for carcass construction? How about plywood drawers? I intend to use latex paint. Should I add a top coat over it? Who? Okay, so uh, what is a good construction method for plywood? A butt joint. A butt joint is a great construction method for plywood. Uh, you know, uh, you want to make sure that you have a backer. And if you are doing uh, traditional uh, cabinets, uh, use face frames and attach the face frames using the Craig jig. I do know of people that have done uh, plywood boxes with the Craig jig. I don't particularly care for it. If it was a painted piece, I would say get yourself an inexpensive pneumatic nailer and use uh, nails or not nailer. I'm sorry. Um, stapler, pneumatic stapler and staple the carcass sides with the, uh, what do you call those strips? Uh, what's the proper name for it? Brian, what's the proper name for the strips on top? The uh, I just call them the nailer strips. Nailers, nailers. Not I'm only sorry. am I not using nails, uh, you know, I don't, I don't think it's a technical term, but that's what I call it. Okay. Um, nailers, uh, and you can staple those in, um, and you know, use the Craig jig to attach the face frames. Uh, you can even staple in the back and I, I will typically use like a rabbit for the back and then just slap that on and, you know, call it good for my painted carcass. Uh, Brian, what would you do for a double dresser like this? Um, I, you could use the Craig jig mm -hmm. and, and butt your, it, I I tend to like the some or the construction you described. We with mm -hmm. building it more like a cabinet. Mm -hmm. um, you could, you could, um, you could use the Craig jig and attach the side panels of your dresser to a mm -hmm. solid wood to a solid wood front front and back uh, posts out of solid wood. Mm -hmm. um, and then use the Craig jig to, again, sort of do a face frame, but um, even set it back a little bit if you want to create a little dimension around it. Um, oh, nice. Yeah. And and get away with doing it that way. You could also. You could also just cut grooves in in your corner post pieces and mm. set your set your panel in that way and not even mess around with the Craig jig. That's maybe a little more work than it's worth, but, um, and that also puts it most likely all the way to the floor, but. Hmm. Um, and, and this is a, like a, a four post type deal. Yeah. 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 Gotcha. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, but guy, I'll leave, I'll leave the drawers. I'll leave the drawers and finish to you. Mm, well, you I want to address the cabinet too. Because he said a couple things that, that set me off on a different mm. path than what you guys were talking about. Okay. First of all, it's paint grade. Mm -hmm. Okay. So if I'm, a if I'm assembling the box, the plywood box itself, 
Mm-hmm. I would just use screws, glue okay. and screw it right from the sides, right through the sides. Boom, 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 boom. Right. Then take Bondo <laughs> automotive filler. Automotive. Yeah. Yes. And cover the holes with Bondo. It dries really fast. It sands really easy and it paints really well. You'll never know it's there. Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. I would pocket hole the face frame together mm-hmm. and then just tack it with glue and pin nails to the face mm-hmm. and then trim it with your router. And then that's it. Just make a top for it. Any trim pieces go. you want to put on the bottom, you're ready to rock and roll. And you've got a case. The, the, the case is really easy to make that way. Mm-hmm. As far as the drawers go, plywood drawers are fine. Mm-hmm. I would recommend putting edge banding on the top of them, though, so you don't see that. I'm not a big fan of seeing plywood edges. Some people say, oh, it looks so cool. I, I don't think it looks cool. Yeah, yeah. I agree. If... Yeah. If you don't want to do the edge banding, you can just fill that in with spackling and it Mm -hmm. sands real easy. Um, Should I put a top coat over it? Nope. It's just going to yellow. Just just use the paint and be done with it. Can you get something other than latex paint? I don't think you should get latex paint. Well, he may not have a spray gun or access to one. Oh, so yeah, that's true. Latex paint, latex paint is fine. There's nothing could wrong he, with latex paint. Could he not use like some type of enamel or some, enamel paint that he can spread, or, or 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 I don't know. I I guess I don't like latex that much. Yeah, I, I I don't see any big big deal with using latex paint on something like this. So, yeah. um, make sure he uses a good sealer or a good um uh. A primer. Yeah. I always feel like using a good primer always made a difference between getting makes, that. Makes a huge difference. Yeah. Procession you, through the paint. And you'll usually have to sand between coats mm-hmm. on that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Just so it gets real nice and looking. Yeah. Wow. If you if you go if you go the route guy described with the screws through the side and you use the automotive bondo, um, mm-hmm. I think that works really well with maple plywood, which is what's gonna be generally available and is probably your, your best, most affordable, uh, paint grade plywood. Um, Mm -hmm. that'd be, that'd be good. Sometimes I think that Bondo, when you paint it, if, if you were to put it on something that was a little rougher grain, maybe a poplar plywood or something like that, it can Mm. get a little shiny and smooth in spots where the Bondo is, but with maple, you shouldn't have any problems with that. That's something to just keep an eye out for. Um, good point. Yeah. I've noticed that too with the like sometimes the uh, the cheaper birch, um, I'll get that really kind of rough feeling. But the uh, place where I sanded down for the bondo or the spackle it was really like, super smooth. Yeah. What about the plywood drawer construction? Would you just would you just do rabbits and and then use the pin nailer to and a little bit of glue to hold it all together? Well, for That's the drawers good. themselves, I would, I would, I'm assuming he's going to use overlay drawers. So the drawer boxes themselves, he's got a pocket hole jig. Yeah, you should put the pocket holes in the front and back, and just oh, pocket hole yes. it right into the yep. sides. Yep. And yep. the the, yep. the uh, drawer face 
or the the false drawer front is going to cover up those pocket holes. Yeah. And that is a super strong. That's how we make them at work. Yeah. Yep. Pocket holes. There's no, I've made them that way for years. Mm. They work really, it works really well. Mm-hmm. Well, Dave, hopefully that helps. Uh, that's going to do it for the questions. Let's go around and see what everybody's got going on. Guy, what do you got going on? In my shop? In your shop. Nothing. <laughs> what I usually have going on. I did put out a new video last weekend, which was 3D printer related. So um, I got a lot of hate mail from that one. Oh, well. Um I also, I'm going to plug something else while I've got, you know, the ears of people. I just started uh, another podcast that is 3D printing related. And it's called the Perfect First Layer Podcast. So if anybody out there is interested in 3D printing, it's a, so far we've had some really good conversations. It's myself and two other guys. Please give it a listen. Nice. Nice. Uh, Brian, what do you got? I am getting ready to build a workbench. Um, right now Ooh, I'm most, mostly in the standing around looking at my workshop, trying to figure out exactly how big I want it to be stage, but I've got a bunch of material, uh, up in my garage that I need to, to bring in and start and have start acclimating. And I'm going to get started on, uh, my first ever true woodworking workbench. Oh, what kind of ice are you going to get? Um, I'm open to recommendations. You're so, welcome to advice. Hey, bada boom. <laughs> um, what do you, what kind of ice do you guys use? I, I have, have a twin. Go, go ahead. ahead. No, go ahead. <laughs> I've got a twin screw, a Veritas twin screw. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. I've got, I've just, I've just got a Veritas quick release. Just quick I really release. like it. Yeah. Yeah. I had been looking at just kind of a, a simple quick release, but again, I don't, I don't know that I know enough quite yet to, to say what I'm going to get. What do you, what's, what's just okay about the, um, uh, twin screw. We it's, it's gotten loose over time. Uh, you know, it's, it, it's such a big vice that you get a little bit of sag with it. Yeah. But you know, it'll clamp and you know, it works, but I think, if I had to do it over again, maybe I would go with a more traditional vice. Uh, well, I mean, that's a traditional vice, uh, like a more like a quickly release vice or something, you know, e- easier to maintain and operate. Yeah. I mean, the twin screw is not hard to operate. It just has gotten loose over time. Yeah. 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 I think easy. I tend, I tend to like easy being, you know, again, still a fairly new woodworker and, something easy to put in. And I've had obviously work surfaces to work off of, but I've never had a sort of that heavy duty um, behemoth of a workbench. So I think, are, you, are you building this mostly for hand tools? Yeah, probably. But I, I want to be, able, yeah. Cause I do have a, I do have a uh, work table down here that mm-hmm. has my shop vac and uh, dust deputy hooked up or cyclone hooked up to it to, you do all my sanding and domino work. Um, yeah. So this will be, this will, it, it'll probably end up just holding my cup of coffee and uh, <laughs> be there while I <laughs> fiddle around. Just, 
just ogle over it. <laughs> yeah. No. Well, you know, so so I said in the last podcast in the about me, I've got I've got three kids and my boys are nine and a half and eleven and a half. And I'm trying to to cultivate a love for the craft within them. And our oldest uh is showing signs of interest. So you know, it's a place where we can come down and we can, we, I've got a dartboard in my shop so we can throw darts down here and just spend time. Have a, have a beer and. Yeah. Mm. A little diet, diet Coke and Sprite for us uh, <laughs> in our house. But yeah, it, um, he, he, you know, I'll try to teach him some hand playing stuff. We took the Moxon Vice out on the deck this summer and he made some shavings out there and really thought that was cool to, to see how the wood nice. really just sliced off that way. So nice. You know, Brian, what I was going to say is that I got the twin screw vise because I thought I'd do more dovetail work, but I end up actually using my Moxon vise more often for dovetail work than I use my vise, my gotcha. twin screw vise. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. Very good. We, what do you have going on in your shop? I am building a round kitchen table for my mother-in-law and oh. it's going very well. It's going very fast. So I've got uh, in the past week or two weeks, actually, uh, I've uh, planed down the material uh, for the top. I've cut the top out. Uh, I've sanded it down. Uh, I need to do the edge profile on it. I also made a couple of templates for it on my CNC for the base assembly, which is going to be a very simple, modern uh, look, uh, splayed legs, um, no apron, but it has the crisscross in the middle. So there'll be a half lap with the yep. uh, adjoining, I guess, what would be aprons, but are crossing in the middle. Yep. Um, so sort of an X pattern with the leg assembly, uh, modern look, you know, nice roundovers, thick roundovers for them. Um, I've got the template. So all I got to do is, you know, just cut it out and mill up the material and domino it up, clamp it down, do the roundovers and it, it'll be time for finish. So you're practically done. <laughs> I know, I know. You know, the domino is great when for simple designs, I mean, for complex designs too, but like something like, hey, I just, I got to make a nice, you know, simple design really quick. And oh man, I just love it that you can just, you know, go quickly and just build something and and it's solid, you know? Yeah, it is. It is, it is a luxury. It's a luxury. It's a luxury yeah. that is, is a nice one to have in your arsenal. What species yeah. are you building the table out of? So she wants it sort of this like weathered gray. So I, I got something that I knew I could get a decent uh, look on the grain. Mm -hmm. um, and since it's going to be stained, I didn't worry too much about sort of the pinkish color of red oak. Yeah. Uh, Cause I don't really particularly care for the color of red oak, but uh, it's going to be a darker color. It's a very readily available species. It's inexpensive. It's easy to work with. So that's what I use um, when I have to stain something. I yeah. wish we could get ash, but we can't get it in this area. Nobody has it. I've asked, gone around, and I just don't want to. Uh, for this type of project, I don't. I don't want to spend the money to to get like something shipped to me. You know. Yeah, yeah. Are you going sort of plain sawn, or is it going to be a quarter or riff sawn red oak? So a, a lot of the the believe it or not, the top is mostly plain sawn, but a lot of the parts are going to be, are, are going to end up being riffs on because I'm taking them out of wider boards. Yep. yep. Um, so I can, I can kind of eliminate some of the, uh, flat sawn, flat sawn portions. You asked some great questions, Brian. <laughs> I was really good. What can I say? Yeah. 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 You asked some great questions. So yeah, the, the, the lowers are going to be mostly, uh, riffs on material. So 
So I'll be using the riffs on sections of the planes on boards. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I can't wait to see that come together. Oh man. I'm, I'm excited for it too. And, um, I hope I can get the look that she's, she's wanting, you know, sort of that weathered stained look. Um, so, all right. So I think that wraps up this show. Please remember this podcast is here to answer questions from the woodworking community and we need your questions. Please send them in. So if you have woodworking questions, please send them through the podcast contact page at woodshoplifepodcast.com or you can DM us through Instagram at woodshoplife, woodshoplifepodcast.com. That uh, contact page is really the best way to to send in the questions, but and we, look we at need all. questions. Oh, we need questions. Send need us questions. questions, please. Questions, questions, questions. Yeah, that we read all of them, right? So uh, we would also like to thank everyone who has left us a five star review on iTunes. It really helps us in the search rankings, and of course, we truly appreciate the support and the feedback. And you can reach me at alabamawoodworker.com. All the links to my social media are my website. Guy, where can we find you? Uh, I'm Guy's Woodshop on YouTube and Instagram. And Brian, where can we find out about your business and stuff you um, do? I am continuing to live off the grid, but I'm going to make it a New Year's resolution to uh, create a <laughs> social media profile to, to feature some of that some of that stuff. And because it's all just sitting on my phone right now and I don't back it up and I'm terrified I'm going to lose it all. <laughs> Brian can actually be found across from the aisle from me. At That's work. true. On the other side of the wall. Yes. I did. Yes. I did neglect to mention that in, in the introduction yes. last week. Uh, I am guys coworker at purposeful. purposeful Brian Devices. literally signs my checks. That's why he's on this podcast. <laughs> Nah, you're great. Yeah, I think of you more than that, Brian. I understand now. Oh, what a fool. Yeah. I'm I'm trying to get a raise. I'm trying to get another week of paid vacation. I told you you could put it in the suggestions box. Yeah, I know what that's going to lead to. Anyways. Well, great, guys. Thanks for listening, and uh, we'll see you in a couple. All right. See you. Thanks, everyone. Take care. Bye. Bye.